This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome back to Thoughts on the Table, the audio blog on food and food culture. After a long break, Paolo here again, back with a new guest. Uh, today with me is Andrew Cotto, author of Cucina Tipica, the novel. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the show. Ciao, Paolo. How are you? I'm great. It's great to have you. I'm uh, a little bit, I have to say, uh, nervous because this is the first time that I have the chance to interview someone who I just read a book they wrote. So <laughs> thank you so much for, for being <laughs> of here. Course. Of course. Thanks for reading the book. Yes, thank you for sending it to me. So full disclosure, uh, Andrew got to know about my podcast through some common friends like Tina, Pristia and uh, Kelly, who were my guests recently. And uh, he thought uh, the type of thing I talk about uh, very much fit with uh, what he's writing, or this particular novel especially. So he approached me, sent me a copy of the book, thank you, which I read. And uh, again, out of full disclosure, I'm not quite a, a novel reader myself, to be honest. I haven't finished many novels in my life, and I feel bad and ashamed of it. But <laughs> that's the reality. <laughs> But I have to say, I uh, enjoyed uh, the book and I knew I was going to interview Andrew. This made me, you know, read it with even more attention, but it wasn't hard at all. The book flows really, really well. And it's not me advertising the book. I don't get any money for doing this. Uh, It's just an honest uh, review from somebody who appreciates some good writing. (laughs) So, Andrew, um, um, for people who don't know you already, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. So I um, am an author, American author um, out of New York City. Um, I also write for the New York Times and other um, sources of journalism. Cucina Tipica, Italian Adventure, is my third novel. It is um, set in the hills south of Florence. It's about an American who goes over there on holiday mm-hmm. and just decides he never wants to leave. <laughs> he's so he's so uh, you know just so um, enamored with with the culture and the food and the wine and the beauty that he thinks that he just wants to stay there forever. Mm-hmm. And he just happens to have sort of you know an opportunity perhaps to find uh, those means through some heritage. So it, it's, it's it's very much the story of an American who wants to be an expat. And then he wants to be an expat in, in Italy. Yeah, and um, this really shakes him up. He finds a side of himself. So it's a very introspective book from the point of view of the main character. That's at least how he read it. And um, it really makes you think what it means to be from somewhere and also what it means to move somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of talk um, regarding all the food and the wine, and these are things that most Americans associate with Italy, and of course, the, the physical beauty of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it, it is it is beyond that, and I'm not diminishing by any means the, the role that food and wine plays in it. There's a lot of food and wine in the book. Yes, there but is. <laughs> it, <laughs> but uh, there's also this notion that those things, include with other aspects too, just make the character feel comfortable. It's you know, it, it's very much a love letter to a place mm-hmm. and he falls in love with the country and he's you know sort of unenamored with what's happening in contemporarily in America and so the idea of just not returning to America and staying in, in Italy where he finds so much comfort mm-hmm. and so much pleasure 
Um, and it finds it so readily too. It's just, it's, just, it's just there. You know, one of the big differences I think between America and Italy, um, amongst many differences, but it's just the, the ability for everybody just to eat and drink very well. It's not a privilege there. It's just there for everybody. And here in the states, you know, to get your hands on really exquisite, you know, ingredients and and go out to eat at a restaurant it takes quite a bit of money. And you know that that um, you know almost prosaic aspect of Italian life is mm. very appealing to this character who in particular has, has a real fondness for food and wine. He has, a, he has what we call a golden palate. He's a really yeah. sophisticated taste buds, um, which we explain in the book how he comes across those things. But, you know, so having that heightened sense of taste and smell, you know, all, just, just enamors him more to Italy. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it, his point of view is, uh, is quite unique because, you know, um, a lot of Americans, uh, when they go to Italy, experience this. And I've heard this so many times. The food was so good, everybody says. Um, but because of his ability, his uh, simple olfactory, uh, you call it, um, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, um, abilities, he can actually dig in into some of those details that you sort of hear when, you know, you get a sommelier describing a wine. He, he can do the same thing for a steak or for, you know, mm-hmm. a, a particular type of cheese. So this is, uh, again, for me, um, an interesting take. I really like the chemistry uh, of taste and was uh, mm-hmm. good to find it in the book. Actually, I wanted more of it, if I, if I may say. <laughs> uh, he talks about it a few times, but it doesn't uh, really describe it as much as I wanted to. Well, I'll keep that in mind when I write the sequel. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, and, and I, I'm going to have to correct you on one thing. I, I think you did really read this novel very carefully. That's a great point. Um, so you should be proud of your reading skills here because you really, you really unpack this, um, some of the important parts. But that's, that is one of them. Like, I, I, and I had to be careful. I didn't want to make it too like wonky. You know, I didn't mm. want to make it too clinical about taste and things. But you know, it was an important part of the book's depth. Mm-hmm. You know, was really describing the things that he was tasting um, and how they smelled and how they looked as well, but mostly just you know the, the immediate part of eating um, was really important to the novel's um, progress because it, mm-hmm. it helped explain why he was so in love with the place. But I know that people like to use food in their books you know, in the same way that people might use sex, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know it's pleasure, etc. And I, I get that, but I, I didn't want to make it just seem like, oh my God, this is so good. Mm-hmm. I wanted to explain like why it was it was it was hitting him on such a profound level, and it required a, l- a little bit more, you know, development of those eating experiences than you might right. normally see. Mm-hmm. And you use this as a sort of a, a Sherlock Holmes uh, tool to investigate um, things that uh, are important to the story. So that's, that's that's really cool. Um, another thing that obviously is very much in the book, which is very much in Italy, is the pleasure for enjoying food together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this uh, idea of the table being the place where relationships are made and deals are struck. So this is all uh, definitely captured uh, in the book and really well described. And that's another thing that I enjoyed in the book. It wasn't, it wasn't hard uh, for me uh, to picture the scene and I'm, I see myself not as a very imaginative person I, I prefer a film to a book because mm-hmm. I don't have that particularly developed but yeah it was it was easy for me to um to picture the scene and picture how people were feeling uh in the scene so it's really nice great oh great thank you that's a tremendous compliment and that's what um you know novelists are, are intending to do is make the reader or allow the reader to, to see these scenes. I think it helps. It's probably an advantage that you're Italian. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Uh, it did tie in into places that I've probably been. Uh, I was 
sort of uh, using those backdrops in my yeah. head as well. Yeah, for sure. You're right. Um, that's that's my favorite Copland though. The people who are reviewing the book, or whether they're, they're professional reviewers or just mm-hmm. writing their, their reviews on Goodreads or somewhere, that I'm getting a lot of that sort of. You know, I, I you know they, the reader feels like they were in the scene, mm-hmm. and 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 that's really important because not just because it, it makes me feel good as a writer, but it was really important to the story for for empathizing with the character, absolutely to appreciate why he appreciated it so much. You know, we're we're basically looking at a guy who's abandoning his homeland. Mm-hmm. Or attempting to abandon his homeland, and and yes, there's like a heritage part of it, but the heritage is really just sort of sort of the you know the the the, the carrot that he's chasing. The, the, it's the moments when they're just sort of plotting out their adventure, right? When they're sitting down and just talking about things over these long, you know, perfectly paced meals around a table, you know, as the Italians say uh, <laughs> in Siena, right? That's what he's really after. So mm-hmm. all the, the heritage stuff he could find, he could take it or leave it. it, it it's the process, it's the journey that he's on. And it's important that that's established because, you know, it, the book's – the subtitle is an Italian adventure, but mm-hmm. it, it's not the Da Vinci Code. It's not really – the adventure isn't like, you know, you know adventurous. They're not chasing down alleys or, you know, mm-hmm. there's no car chases or things. They're, they're just sort of, you know, slowly working their way towards some information that they might find, you know, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, they're really just enjoying their lives. True. And in fact, there is a lot of suspense sometimes because you know something is there about to be discovered, um, but the character is too busy, you know, dealing with, with life or enjoying something or is really out of it because he's read another adventure that he is not realizing that there could be a major plot twist coming and it's just not mm-hmm. happening because he's distracted. So, yeah, they, they, they got to they gotta eat. <laughs> they got to eat. <laughs> and sometimes they get drunk and sometimes, you know, yeah. they, that, that's the reality of things sometimes when you're in an emotionally charged situation as well. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But speaking of action movies, uh, there is cinematic action in the book, uh, some pretty intense action. We don't want to spoil the book as well, but I thought that those were described really well. Well, thank you. I mean, the, I mean, things do have to happen besides the meals. You know, I mean, I, I had to kill time between the, the eating scenes, so I created some, <laughs> I created some action in there. And, and yes, I mean, my other books have had more, you know, physical action in them. Okay, you, know, uh-huh. my, you know, and you know, I, I, I that's obviously a requisite of a compelling narrative. Is people doing things and and i think this book has a couple of scenes where there's really you know you know if you're watching the movie version or you're reading it you're really the dramatic tension is definitely there Mm -hmm. there's definitely you know there's pages that people are turning slowly intentionally Mm -hmm. and there's pages that people are turning quickly just as intentionally and i'm happy to have a mix yes the change of pace is is uh, another thing that i noticed absolutely um okay so the food uh, yes. You you mentioned that there are twenty four food scenes in total in, in the book. I didn't count yes. them, but I believe you. Uh, and uh, I remember <laughs> particularly a few of them. So maybe we can talk about them right now. Sure. Um, okay, great. Uh, so the first one uh, is early in the book when uh, Jacoby, is the name of the main character we mentioned, um, arrives in the in the place that he's renting, where he's going to stay for a year. And he finds uh, the people who run the place, in particular, a guy named Paolo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt a connection immediately with Paolo. Sure, sure. Of course. There's a couple of Paolos in Italy. Yes, there's uh, just a <laughs> few. Uh, yes, and Paolo, uh, for uh, the welcome dinner, uh, essentially, makes, uh, he makes pizza in his oven outdoors as a, uh, an event, not just as a meal. Um, so, what is the significance for you uh, of this scene? Can you talk about it a little bit more? Yeah, this scene's really important to me personally, and it works really well in the novel. Um, is, is for me personally, 
when I, I actually lived in Italy for a year, and okay. I, you know, so the novel is not um, autobiographical in any sense, mm-hmm. um, except for the fact that it takes place in the place where I lived, down to the actual locations of like the, the barn where Jacoby lives is behind the villa um, where we lived. I lived oh, there 15 okay. years ago, my wife and my daughter and I. And I didn't write this book there. I wrote this book a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. I was living there writing my first novel. And our neighbor was actually Paolo. So I used oh. him as our neighbor. I mean, he had this wood-burning oven behind his villa, mm-hmm. and he used to make us a meal on uh, frequently. He'd make us a meal of uh, – it was like his signature dish. It's all he made when he had company. It was – he'd make pizza from scratch. And he'd put anchovies and tear some fresh basil and a little bit of sauce and olives. It was spectacular. But then he'd also make in the wood-burning oven, slowly in the back corner away from the flames, he'd have a thing called um, misto rosto, you know, a, a mixed roast oh, yeah, that, yeah. that he had. So that that's the whole meal that night is the pizza and the misto rosto. And it's a meal that means an immense amount to me because it was like our favorite meal there. Mm. It's also really important to Jacob because it's the first meal he gets when he's there on the property. He had a meal the previous night um, up in Rapallo of Frito Misto. Right, I remember that. Yeah, which is which is spectacular. Then he has his, his next dinner, and it says in the book that the two best meals of his life were during the first two days of his time in Italy. And he's already like, I'm I'm not leaving. Like, his impetus, you know, his motivation, which is to stay there, mm-hmm. is being born out of these two meals. Fantastic. Um, is there another scene that was especially meaningful to you? Maybe because it came from an experience of yours. Lots, lots, and, lots of them. But um, in particular, there's actually a funny one where there's a scene in the town where Jacoby and the expat friend of his, Bill, that he makes in the village, mm-hmm. um, are going to see the local butcher one morning because the butcher's there. You know, they had information that, mm-hmm. that they wanted. The, the butcher's family had been in the right. village for centuries. And, and they go in there. It's first thing in the morning, and the butcher is making sausage, and he gives Jacoby just raw sausage right. on, a, on a piece of bread and asks mm-hmm. him to eat it. You know, expects him to eat it. And that happened to me at my butcher shop there one morning. I just walked in there and I was becoming friends with the butcher in our village. And mm-hmm. and he just says to me, hey, you know, qui, manja, manja. He hands me a piece of sausage, you know, on a piece of bread. It was like raw. And I'm thinking, you know, you know, you know, what's that disease you get when you eat raw meat, um, raw pork? Um, I'm not sure, but it's listeria or something. Something like, yeah, something like that. It actually mentioned in the book. Um, yeah, and I don't know what to do. I'm holding the piece of bread with the, with the sausage on, the raw sausage meat. You know, and so I, I was able to use that situation with Jacoby. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a scene that, um, that I believe you and I were talking about before where they're eating steak. And the steak is in Panzano. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be you – know, it's an adaptation of Dario Cicchini's place, you know, the butcher of Panzano. I couldn't use Dario in the book because the, the character I needed, this sort of celebrity butcher, had to be a, a much younger man. Okay. But I used the auspices of Dario's um, butcher shop and his restaurants there to have like the most spectacular steak. And that, and that steak comes back later in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one, in one of those scenes where Jacoby's uh, has his heart broken while his stomach is being filled um, mm-hmm. and his palate being tantalized. Um, so there, there's I – could, I could do this all day, Paolo, but you – know, <laughs> If you want, I will send you the list of all the meals if you want to post it on your blog. Yeah, I would love to. I have collaboration on it, or um, uh, corroboration, I should say, mm-hmm. from uh, a food blogger out of Milan, an American named Elizabeth T. Jones. Her oh, okay. her blog is um, Risotto and Steel, and she's a real American food expert who went to Milan for a holiday and, and ended up marrying a, a Milanese. So, um, 
she's there and she writes about it and she documented these with me and corroborates that they're all real. So there's 24 different scenes. I'll send them to you. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll add it to, to the post that will accompany the, the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. And, um, and besides or beyond the food, uh, which is everywhere, uh, another element that I would like to touch on is the language or discovering the Italian language for Jacobi. And also uh, the other way around, uh, Italians interacting with him in their English. Um, so I was wondering, um, of course, you're second generation Italian-American. You speak Italian, you lived in Italy for a year. Uh, so um, how significant is the language? How important is the language in the story? Language is important because it's one of the, the key challenges of being you know a foreigner you know i mean not like an american in canada but you know or american in england but, you know, yeah, sure. uh, to be in a country where you're, you're not you're not native in the language mm-hmm. and in this case jacoby's really just just very green when it comes to italian he's trying to learn it you know this whole trip it sort of came up last minute he tried to prepare but he, he's speaking italian like like a like a bad tourist but, he, but he's not living like a tourist right he's mm-hmm. living amongst the italians so you know, he's really removed from a lot of, of, of context. And in some ways, it, it's frustrating for him. And mm-hmm. in some ways, it's kind of, you know, exciting, too. You know, he feels like he's going to learn the language. He wants to learn the language. Um, but you're also, uh, one of the things I kind of like about not being fluent, but just being sort of like, you know, functional in Italian, mm-hmm. is that I can just sort of turn off the radio whenever I want. I, I don't have to hear what the people next to me are saying. All, all I, I hear them, sorry, but I don't have to understand it, which is kind of a relief. It's kind of a blessing to be absolved from other people's bickering. All I hear is them speaking in a very lovely language. And they could be having a <laughs> fight for all i know they're saying they're breaking up or saying how stupid this american over here is and i don't even know <laughs> no it just sounds lovely andrew if they're having a fight you would know because they'd be yelling yeah, at right. each other that's true, that's true. and waving their hands you're <laughs> right um but they, i i I'm absolved from like the small talk you know mm-hmm. when i'm over there which is, unless yeah. i really want to listen if i want to make an effort to listen then i can right and it, it's an interesting part it's an interesting wrinkle and an interesting challenge about you know novels like this, where you know again he's not on the tourist track, he's off the beaten path, mm-hmm. and he's having to sort of navigate the language. And, and the other aspect of your question is like he's also being off the beaten path makes him a real curiosity to the mm-hmm. people around. You know, yeah. they, you know, you're like, who is this American? And that was certainly the 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 reaction we had when we moved there and moved mm-hmm. to this tiny village, you know, south of Florence. Uh, um, in the community of Banu Aripali, um, mm-hmm. people are like, what? What are you doing here? You're Americans and you're going to be here for a, a year? Yeah. What is going on? They were so baffled by us and yeah. we were such a curiosity to them that it was fun. We were kind of like celebrities. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, I mean, I did feel a little bit like a celebrity as an Italian in Canada, uh, even though, of course, it was in a big city. So that's the big difference. So you yeah. were in a small town where you're not used to that. So that's yeah. much more meaningful uh, in your case. Absolutely. And Italians are really um, fascinated with America. Uh, so the opportunity yeah. to interact with you must have been uh, um, very exciting uh, for them. For yes, sure. I mean, yeah, it's very exciting. It was, it, I definitely conveyed that into the character of Jacoby, mm-hmm. where the, the people around like were, were interested in, in the Americano who was there, and mm-hmm. you know, and they helped he, his little mission. They were willing to help him. Mm-hmm. It was itself cool, and there's this there's a great connection that I threw in there with the, with one of the young shoemaker in town is a Pearl Jam fan. Yes, and yes, that, yes. Pearl Jam is huge in Italy, and, and that's one it of the is. things I was certainly aware of. And you know, the fact that Jacoby was a musician and, and knew Pearl Jam songs and could play them, it, it creates a big narrative thread in the novel as far as establishing 
Jacoby's, you know, welcome into the village. You know, the fact that he becomes friends with the, with the young shoemaker, who's also a singer, and and then he had this little little band going is, is a really fun part of the book, but also mm-hmm. helps really establish Jacoby and makes makes him friends. Right, and then that guitar ends up uh, in pieces. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> there's a very, very rock and roll ending, which we won't spoil. But yeah, <laughs> we won't yeah. spoil. Stuff gets broken. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, Andrew, we're out of time uh, for this episode. I could talk for hours. Me too. Um, with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, should, we should do this again. Um, thanks so much for being in the podcast. It's a great pleasure and for contacting me in the first place, sending me the book. Of course. Uh, it's a pleasure to read it and a pleasure to talk to you about the making of a book. This is, for me, super interesting. I mean, I'm an engineer. I like how things are made. And, uh, you know, some parts are entirely um, the result of creativity. Other parts are constructed. And, uh, and that's part mm-hmm. of making a novel that, you know, works. So thanks again, and uh, I'll talk to you later, okay? I look forward to it. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Andrew. Ciao.